Picture of the heart of transcendent knowledge. Thus have I heard, once the Blessed One was dwelling in Rajagriya and Vulture Peak Mountain, together with a great gathering of the Sangha of monks and a great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One entered the Samadhi that expresses the Dharma called profound illumination. And at the same time, noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, while practicing the profound Prashnaparamita, saw in this way, he saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature. And then through the power of the Buddha, Venerable Shariputra said to noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, how should a son or daughter of noble family train who wishes to practice the profound Prashnaparamita? Addressed in this way, noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, said to Venerable Shariputra, O Shariputra, a son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita should see in this way, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Form. Emptiness, emptiness also is form. Emptiness is no other than form. Form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics, there is no birth and no cessation, there is no impurity and no purity, there is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas, no eye, datu, up to no mind, datu, no datu of dharmas, no mind consciousness, datu, no ignorance, no end of ignorance, up to no old age and death, no end of old age and death. No suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, no path, no wisdom, no attainment, and no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the Bodhisattvas have no attainment, they abide by means of Prajnaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times by means of Prajnaparamita fully awaken to unsurpassable, true, complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequaled mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as true since there is no deception. The Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Te Ata Om Gate Gate Paragate Bodhi Soha. Thus Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train the profound Prajnaparamita. Then the Blessed One arose from that Samadhi and praised Noble Avogateshvara, Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra and Noble Avogateshvara, Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, asuras, and gandharvas rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One.
Again, we will be uh, looking at the uh, Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, which is a commentary on Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment. And uh, Lama Tsongkhapa um, begins with an outline with four categories and uh, how the teaching uh, will be explained. Uh, so it begins with the greatness of the teaching's author, uh, and, this, and then the second section is the greatness of the teaching itself. The third section is the great way to listen to and explain the instructions. And then the fourth section is uh, how to lead students in the actual instructions. So this is the outline at the beginning of Lama Tsongkhapa's text, uh, uh, which is the commentary again on Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment. <coughs> Um, 
Okay, so uh, when we look at the second section on the greatness of the teaching, we find four categories. Uh, we find the, uh, and the, here the teaching is referring to Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment. And it's, uh, it has four categories, and it says at first the greatness is it enables one to see that all of the teachings are free from contradiction. So the teachings uh, are um, necessarily not mutually exclusive. They are not contradictory. It allows one to see that the Buddha was like a doctor who was prescribing different types of medicine for uh, different uh, dispositions or different types of people. And if we look at the tenet systems, we find various views uh, where at times uh, there is, in, a, in, in previous times, uh, Buddha stated there was a self, and other times uh, to people he stated that there was a no self or that there was selflessness. Um, so if we look at the tenet systems themselves, if we look at the Vibhashka and Satrantika uh, school uh, and the uh, um, uh, Mantran school, we find uh, that there is not a negation of uh, um, true establishment. Um, and we find uh, that once we get to the uh, um, middle way autonomy school, we find that there uh, is a negation of this uh, uh, but their true establishment, but the inherent existence of things is still uh, presented uh, in, in some manner uh, in, in the middle way autonomy school. And it's not till the uh, middle way consequence school where we find the negation of true establishment and, and inherent existence altogether. Um, so we find in the tenet systems at times where there is a, the view of just uh, selflessness, uh, and other times where the, there's the view of uh, lack of true establishment uh, but still inherent existence uh, and then other times where that all of that is negated and in this first um, category it, the greatness of this text is it allows one to see uh, that all of these teachings were prescribed for different types of people uh, uh, for uh, depending on their aptitudes or their dispositions uh, so this is the first category. The second category, the greatness of enabling one to understand that all the scriptures are instructions for practice, uh, is referring to the fact that all of the teachings are methods to achieving uh, freedom or liberation. They are methods to achieving uh, Buddhahood. So because of this, um, they are all necessarily instructions to practice because they are all methods to the achievement of happiness, to the goal of happiness. 
so this is the second category. The third category, the greatness of enabling one to easily understand the conqueror's intent, is if we look at the conjure and the tanger, if we look at the pronouncements of Lord Buddha and the authentic Indian commentaries, we'll find that there are many literal teachings and there are figurative teachings um, and without a, uh, a proper explanation of these, it would be very difficult to understand uh, the, the true meanings of these, uh, the Sutra and Tantra teachings. So, uh, by relying on a teacher's lamp for the path to enlightenment, one can easily understand the meaning of uh, these texts, understand the meaning of the pronouncements of Lord Buddha, understand the meanings of the uh, authentic Indian commentaries. And then the last category is the greatness of enabling one to refrain automatically from the great wrongdoing uh, is a problem that previously there uh, was in Tibet where there was a, an idea that there were these uh, um, teachings were mutually exclusive, that these teachings did contradict each other, that the Sutra and Tantra teachings were contradictory. Uh, and this is abandoning the Dharma, which is considered the great wrongdoing. Uh, so here, uh, the Atisha's Lamb for the Path to Enlightenment has these three great qualities that Lama Tsongkhapa outlines in, uh, in the English in Chapter 2. Um, so, the next section uh, is the great way to listen to uh, and explain the teachings. Uh, um, so, uh, the great way that one, it's very literal, uh, listens to an, uh, a teaching when it is being explained. And then the great way to actually give the teaching itself. So, uh, then this is the next section uh, that falls under the great way to listen to the and uh, give the teaching. And then the last category is how to lead students in the actual instructions. And that begins with the uh, re how to rely on the teacher. Uh, that is the root of the path um, under the heading of how to lead uh, students in the actual instructions. And then there are six categories uh, um, that... Um, explain that section on how to rely on the teacher. And then the next section is how to sustain that meditation of relying uh, on the teacher. Um, and, you know, how to sustain it during the actual meditation session and after the meditation session. Uh, and how to rely on thought and practice. Um, um, and then uh, um, uh, once under... in. Uh, and then after that actual way of sustaining the meditation section, you have the section on uh, refuting or negating misconceptions about meditation. Uh, so now we're in the section on uh, negating or refuting misconceptions about meditation. Sura <laughs> 
So, in this section on refuting misconceptions about meditation, uh, first there is negation of the view uh, uh, held by Hashan, the view of nihilism, uh, the view that um, analytical meditation isn't meditation, that stabilizing meditation is the only kind of meditation. Um, so this is the first negation, or the first category of negation uh, in this section. And then the second category is uh, refuting misconceptions about analytical meditation, misconceptions about uh, stabilizing uh, meditation. So here, uh, um, this section uh, goes over the misconceptions that one could have about these two different uh, types of um, uh, med uh, meditation uh, and how uh, it's necessary to have both types of meditation. And then the next section uh, deals with uh, a question in two ways, uh, basically, um, about if um, um, stabilizing meditation is actually harmed by um, the uh, analytical meditation. And Lama Tsongkhapa answers that question in two ways. He states that if the uh, one is stating that uh, uh, stabilizing meditation can't just be produced by doing only analytical meditation, then the answer is yes, that um, uh, it's, it's not possible to produce stabilizing meditation 
just from doing analytical meditation. One must do stabilizing meditation in order to develop stabilizing meditation and analytical meditation in order to develop analytical meditation. But to say that analytical meditation and, and, and initial uh, and doing a, a large amount of it initially or doing analytical meditation in general is harmful to the future development of stabilizing meditation, then Lama Tsongkhapa states that this is incorrect um, because then this would contradict what the great trailblazers have stated. The trailblazers such as Nagarjuna and Asanga who have stated that uh, it's necessary to uh, produce both stabilizing meditation <coughs> as well as um, analytical meditation. And the reason for this, when we look at uh, phenomena, there is a category of phenomena called hidden phenomena. And that phenomena is a phenomena that must be realized in dependence upon a sign. Uh, so when we look at uh, um, hidden phenomena, there is uh, hidden phenomenon and then extremely hidden phenomenon. Uh, so there are two categories under this uh, um, uh, hidden phenomenon, uh, which is the uh, opposite of manifest phenomenon. So hidden phenomena is defined by its being realized by dependence upon a sign. Uh, so, uh, the great trailblazers have stated that such ch topics as the realization of the three jewels uh, and uh, karma and its consequences or action and its results and the um, faith in the teacher or reliance upon the teacher, the desire to definitely emerge or renunciation, bodhicitta, um, uh, um, uh, uh, all of these topics must be developed through reliance upon signs and reasoning, through analysis. Um, and without that analysis, the, the one's uh, realization of these things won't be very stable in law and definitely won't be long-lasting. Uh, so the great trailblazers have stated, and Lama Tsongkhapa states it and supports it by uh, um, referencing those masters, uh, that absolutely both types of meditation are necessary and that it, it, the analytical meditation in no way um, hinders one's ability to generate the stabilizing meditation. Then go out to the Mandrai as a church to your hotender, Mamma what Okay. 
So we're on page 115 in the uh, English and we're on 75 in the Tibetan. The, the, the quote from Asanga, which is there. Uh, Kibashi Dibat 
So here we'll go through the quote from Master Asanga. It says, uh, in the same way the noble being, uh, Asanga says, for example, in order for smiths or their skilled apprentices to purify silver or gold of all defilements and impurities, they burn it or and wash it in fire. Uh, 
burn it in fire and wash it in water. By doing this, they understand that they can make it into this or that ornament by way of its serviceability and pliability. Then those who know the appropriate craft, the smiths and their skilled apprentices, use the smith's tools to transform the metal into whatever kind of ornament they want. Um, so here, when we're looking at gold, gold in, in its natural state is pure, but it must be purified when one mines for it um, of all uh, of the defilements and impurities. So it is washed, uh, and then it is burned. Uh, and then uh, once the, uh, all of these processes are done, uh, and there is an actual gold that is malleable, then it can be transformed by way of uh, the proper tools uh, into whatever uh, one wishes it to be, whatever type of jewelry uh, one wishes uh, it to be transformed into. Um, so here, uh, this is about to be compared to the mind uh, that is purified of its uh, lineage of faults, of its negativities, uh, um, by way of um, uh, um, you, uh, analysis uh, and so forth. <coughs> Uh, likewise, yogis and yoginis become disenchanted by simply not the way, uh, become disenchanted by simply not turning their mind toward any impurities or defilements such as covetousness. So such as covetousness is meaning that it's any among the ten non-virtues. So the such as is referring to the other uh, non-virtues. There are three non-virtues of the mind that is uh, referring to uh, harmful, uh, covetous, harmful intent, and wrong view. There are four non-virtues of the uh, speech, uh, which are uh, lying, uh, um, uh, harsh words, um, gossip, um, uh, lying, harsh words, uh, uh, gossip, and what's that? Divisive. divisive speech. Thank you, Tamasheva. So, and divisive speech. Uh, and then there are three of the body. Uh, killing, stealing, and uh, sexual misconduct. So here, uh, the, it's saying that the yogis uh, um, uh, actually turn away from these things because of the fact that they know the cause and effect relationship between engaging in non-virtuous activities uh, um, and suffering. So because all sentient beings desire happiness, because the <coughs> goal of the yogi or the yogi uh, is to achieve happiness, uh, and here uh, there are different forms of happiness that one can achieve, and, and later on it goes on to speak of whatever one's aim is. So if one wishes to achieve rebirth in the higher realms, or if one's aim is to achieve liberation, or if one's aim is to achieve uh, complete um, Buddhahood, um, all of those things are produced in dependence upon steering away from non-virtuous activity and engaging in virtuous activity uh, and purifying the mind of negativities and defilements. So uh, here it says they, they create delight uh, uh, simply by not turning towards unhappiness of the afflicted mind. So all sentient beings wish to have a happy mind. Uh, and the afflicted mind is necessarily an unhappy mind. So because the yogis and yoginis know uh, that by turning away from that afflicted mind, happiness will be produced, uh, they find joy in it. It's like having faith in the process, faith in virtue, um, because of knowing what its opposite creates and because of desiring happiness and not desi uh, wishing to have unhappiness. Uh, so this is why the yogi or yogini 
uh, um, does this uh, in order to achieve his or her goal. So it says, uh, um, when they do this, their minds become linked to and calmly settle upon without fluctuation or movement any object to which they apply uh, uh, them within the scope of serenity or insight. So uh, the yogi or uh, yogini is aiming towards the achievement of uh, meditative serenity or special insight. Those aims are easily achieved uh, by engaging in these practices and, and, and purifying the mind uh, of its um, of, uh, lineage of faults in the same way that one uh, um, uh, cleans the gold and the silver uh, and burns it and so forth to make it malleable. In the same way the mind becomes malleable and can be transformed into whatever one wishes uh, by engaging in the practices. It says they can use their minds to properly attain whatever objective for which they aim. So the various aims here are referring to the various types of happiness. And again, those types of happiness achieved through uh, rebirth in the higher realms, the happiness of liberation or nirvana, and then the ultimate happiness of complete Buddhahood. So uh, this yogi develops this renunciation or the desire to definitely emerge in dependence upon the analysis, in dependence upon analysis of the two truths of conventional truth and ultimate truth, in, in dependence upon the analysis of uh, the truth of suffering and the origin of suffering, and recognizing that there are uh, origin of suffering has two categories karma that is origin and afflictions that are origin. And by recognizing that by turning away from those uh, uh, two types of origin, one turns away from that which causes suffering because origin is that which causes suffering. So if one uh, wishes to um, recognize the connection between uh, um, action uh, and experience, it's necessary to rely upon analytical meditation. Without correct use of correct sign and reasoning, one would never be able to establish with any kind of certainty or stability this idea of the degrees of uh, um, action and consequences. And, and that uh, if we look at the uh, um, positive or virtuous actions of the body, speech, and mind, there are three degrees uh, for each of them, the small, medium, and great degree uh, um, of action, of virtuous action. Uh, and the greatest degree of virtuous action produces rebirth in the God's realm. A medium degree of virtuous action produces rebirth in the demigod's realm. And a small degree of virtuous action produces rebirth in the human realms. And likewise, the, the same is true for non-virtuous actions. They have uh, uh, various experiences to base 
dependent upon the degrees of non-virtue, and this greatest amount of non or the greatest degree of non-virtuous action one engages in produces rebirth in the hell realm. A smallest degree of non-virtuous action produces rebirth in the hungry ghost realm. And the, the I mean the medium degree of non-virtuous action produces rebirth in the hungry ghost realm, and the smallest degree of non-virtuous action produces rebirth in the animal realm. So uh, here. Uh, without analysis, it's not possible to come to the conclu this conclusion or to understand uh, this. It would be very difficult to understand this. So, what is So, the, here, this is negating the idea that analytical meditation is harmful to uh, calm, uh, um, stabilizing meditation because it wouldn't be possible to understand karma and its consequences or the three jewels uh, and so forth without having analytical meditation. So, all of the four truths, uh, three jewels, uh, and so forth without analytical meditation. So now they'll start to become, uh, to be an explanation. So here it says, Laxity and excitement are the two principal conditions that are unfavorable for attaining a concentration wherein the mind steadfastly stays upon one object of uh, meditation. So here it's saying the real obstacle to the achievement of meditation uh, is uh, 
the real obstacles in this case are laxity and excitement. So these are the real opponents to meditation, not the analytical meditation or the previous things that are negated. It's really excitement uh, and dullness or laxity. So first, dullness or laxity is referring to the meditative state that becomes unclear, uh, where the object of observation is unclear or dull uh, or uh, um, um, going away. Um, so here, for instance, if the object of observation is the deity, um, that deity wouldn't appear very clear in the meditation state, uh, and this is called dullness. Um, and uh, excitement um, is different. Excitement is where <coughs> one can't, uh, because of attachment uh, to various other uh, um, things, uh, one can't stay fixed on one object of observation. So if one was trying to focus on the, the, the deity, for instance, one would move on to a, a separate, another object of observation and then move on to another object. So it's almost like a busy mind. Uh, so excitement is sometimes translated as busy mind. Um, and it's just referring to the inability to focus on one object of observation. So dullness is referring to uh, not having a clear object of observation in the meditation. Uh, and excitement uh, is referring to um, uh, be having the mind be very uh, busy um, or, or yeah, very busy. Tell <coughs> And so here it says, uh, with respect to this, if you have a very forceful and long-lasting awareness of the good qualities of three jewels and the like, you will easily eliminate laxity. So here, Lama Tsongkhapa is stating that uh, if you have this analysis and you um, have done, uh, um, uh, have an understanding um, of the good qualities of the three jewels, um, and one has uh, developed this understanding and has developed this desire to definitely emerge through one's analysis of the uh, three jewels and, uh, and, uh, and, and the other topics, uh, it, through one's analysis, uh, one uh, uh, is able to uh, um, arrive at a place that is um, free of laxity um, or dullness. Um, so this laxity's opponent is actual analysis that, that produces a desire to definitely emerge. 
Um, and it says, many authorities state that the remedy for laxity is uplifting the mind by means of seeing good qualities. So here it's saying that uh, um, having this long-lasting awareness of the, the three jewels, and it says, and the like, uh, and the like is etc., or, or uh, and also things such as impermanence and other topics, um, you will easily eliminate laxity. Uh, and then it says many authorities. Here this is referring to great scholars, such as Indian scholars. So authority is referring to one who knows, so a uh, scholar. A state that the remedy for laxity uh, is uplifting the mind by means of seeing good qualities. So this is something that's stated about, uh, by the great masters, that by looking at these good qualities, it uplifts the mind and clear makes it become more clear. Government <coughs> So then it says, uh, now we move on to excitement. It says, um, likewise, if you have a very forceful and, lo and long-lasting awareness of the faults of impermanent suffering and the like, you will easily eliminate excitement. Uh, many scriptures say that disenchantment is praised as the remedy for excitement because excitement is a mental distraction involving attachment. So here, um, this is stating that the antidote for um, uh, mental excitement or uh, a busy mind um, is thinking about things that will make one develop renunciation, the faults of impermanence and so forth, um, and, and uh, that this will eliminate uh, one's busiest busyness of the mind. Uh, so if one thinks about the suffering in general and, and faults of cyclic existence, that this will allow one's mind to uh, be less excited and be able to be more focused. And I asked Rinpoche what the difference between the first antidote and the second antidote are because they almost fall under a similar umbrella. Rinpoche said that the uplifting of the mind by thinking of the good qualities uh, of the three jewels uh, and so forth 
uh, allows the mind to be free of that dullness uh, and, and this thinking about the uh, <coughs> suffering and so forth allows the mind to, to be uh, um, brought back down and uh, stabilized in a way uh, to uh, get rid of the excitement. Um, so yeah, even though the and so on, uh, uh, the impermanence and so forth was mentioned, uh, it's more of an upliftment uh, in the first case and in the second case more of a um, bringing down. So I just want to make sure from a translation point of view it's being conveyed clearly. So we can take a short break if anyone needs to use the restroom. Uh, and we'll be right back. We've got to change the cassette. And there's some things food to give out. Okay. Okay, so a way, an example that we could use to uh, talk about uh, if we're comparing laxity uh, and excitement would be driving a car. Uh, if we were speaking in terms of laxity, we uh, could be driving a car, and if we suddenly things become unclear and we become tired and our eyes close, we're in grave danger of getting into an accident. So there are many uh, different types of antidotes for uh, such things, such as drinking tea or you know, just trying to become more alert. Um, so here, there's a danger in um, becoming unclear when you're driving a car, and it's similar. There's a danger in meditation. And likewise, if one's mind is distracted, one, uh, if we're looking at uh, how we would compare excitement uh, in, in the case of driving a car, if one is, becomes very attached to many different things, and while he or she is driving, becomes distracted and looking at this and looking at that, then it's a very um, uh, um, um, uh, good chance, or it's more likely that he or she will get into a car accident. So this idea that one's going to get into a car accident um, because of uh, having this excitement and this attachment um, be, uh, induces some kind of fear uh, in, in you, which then focuses you again. So it's very similar to uh, how you combat um, uh, laxity and dullness by uplifting the mind in the laxity case uh, and by uh, bringing the mind back down uh, uh, in the excitement case. Um, so here, this is just an example we can use to try to explain it uh, further. Uh, so this is uh, um, similar to applying the antidote to uh, excitement and dullness. Okay, so 
So we've gone over the first three categories of the negations. The first, the negation of Hashan's view, of the uh, nihilistic view, um, with the belief that stabilizing meditation is the only meditation. The second, uh, misconceptions that are produced about um, stabilizing meditation, misconceptions that are produced about uh, analytical meditation. Um, and then the next uh, is the uh, misconception uh, about um, um, how... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the, the misconception <coughs> about how uh, the um, uh, analytical meditation isn't an actual harm to... Uh, the misconception that analytical meditation is harmful to stabilizing meditation. So this then uh, becomes negated. Um, and here it says, laxity and excitement are the two principal conditions that are unfavorable. Uh, um, let me redo, restart. Therefore, you will easily attain the firm concentrations which uh, please the learned to a degree commensurate with your cultivation of the trainings, uh, beginning with faith in the teacher and ending with the engaged spirit uh, of enlightenment. Uh, so here, uh, this says that the stages of the path um, um, become uh, important, uh, and when, uh, to the degree uh, that one engages in those, uh, the degree of actual realization uh, and cultivation of the trainings that will uh, take place. So it begins with the faith in the teacher or reliance upon the spiritual friend, uh, and then one goes into the teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity, and then teachings for beings of medium capacity, and then the teachings for beings of great capacity, and then within the teachings of beings for, uh, for beings of great capacity, uh, we find uh, the explanation of bodhicitta, because bodhicitta is the door into the Mahayana, uh, which is um, uh, the great teachings uh, fall under the heading of. Uh, so the Mahayana um, requires bodhicitta, and bodhicitta is caused by two specific causal vehicles, the uh, um, uh, seven-point cause and effect for achieving the mind that aspires to enlightenment and the equalizing and exchanging self with others, uh, practice for achieving the mind that aspires to enlightenment. And then bodhicitta has two separate categories, uh, the category of the aspiring bodhicitta and then the category of the engaged bodhicitta. So here... Uh, there are all of these uh, um, different subjects um, that one must become uh, um, clear on, uh, and one's realization and actual uh, cultivation of trainings is commensurate with one's understanding and pra application of the practices contained within these graduated stages. <laughs> Uh, 
So here at uh, 115 at the bottom where it says, Therefore you will easily attain the firm concentrations. Uh, it says beginning with faith in the teachers. So here we're talking about the stages of the path. You know, beginning with the, 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 the faith in the teacher and ending with the engaged spirit of enlightenment. And here... Uh, engaged bodhicitta uh, um, was one of the categories of bodhicitta and uh, um, aspiring bodhicitta is the yeah. other category. Uh, so it's basically the progressive stages uh, of the path uh, that one practices in, in that order. So here it says beginning with faith in the teacher and ending with the engaged spirit of enlightenment. Here this is speaking of the teachings in their progressive fashion. So the beginning with the faith in the teacher and the reliance upon the teacher, the root of the path, and then uh, how you actually sustain that meditation, and then how you engage in the teachings uh, shared in common with beings of small, uh, medium, uh, and great uh, capacity. And then here it says, up to the engaged bodhicitta. So here, uh, this is again one among the two types of bodhicitta. Um, aspiring bodhicitta being bodhicitta that is generated without an actual bodhisattva vow in place, and then the engaged bodhicitta is the bodhicitta that occurs when one takes the bodhisattva vow once he or she has already got uh, realized bodhicitta. Uh, so then one has engaged bodhicitta. So there is the uh, um, aspiring bodhicitta is bodhicitta with the absence of a bodhisattva vow. Uh, engaged bodhicitta is bodhicitta with the presence of the bodhisattva vow. So here this is the um, distinction between the, the two types of bodhicitta and and how this is just speaking of uh, cultivating uh, um, the pathway which allows one to en actually engage in those trainings. So, stu studying all, uh, <coughs> practicing um, all of these things, engaging in both types of meditation, stabilizing and, and analytical. Uh, 
So here now we arrive at the stages of the path, the actual order of stages of the path. Uh, and it's this beginning with the faith in the teacher, uh, and then uh, going from the faith in the teacher and the sustaining of the meditation to the teachings for uh, in common with beings of small, medium, and great capacity. Uh, and then the actual teachings on the mind that aspires to enlightenment, and the development of the mind that aspires to enlightenment by way of the two practices, the practice of the seven-point cause and effect for achieving the mind that aspires to enlightenment, and the practice of the equalizing exchanging self with others practice, and the recognition of the two types of bodhicitta, the aspiring bodhicitta and the engaged bodhicitta. So that this is what is being spoken of here, the, the, the stages. Kachi Tembo Okay, the um, I'm sorry, I just got a lot of, little bit lost for a second there. Um, uh, so here now it says, and we're right where we left off, so I don't know why I did. Uh, so it says, not only must you sustain medi uh, um, stabilizing meditations after you become free of both excitement and dullness, uh, and laxity, but you um, also sustain analytical meditation. So, um, dullness and lax uh, dullness or laxity and excitement are both obstacles to are obstacles to both um, analytical meditation and stabilizing meditation. So, here it's saying that one one must get rid of those in order to achieve single pointed concentration. Uh, one must uh, get rid of uh, um, laxity. And excitement, and in order to achieve the, any type of meditation, uh, so in order, so in order to achieve any type of meditation, these obstacles must be uh, removed. Uh, so this is what uh, it's saying here that um, both of these types of meditation are necessary, and uh, both of these meditations require the removal of the two obstacles. Okay. Kebana, Kajimiba, Kambo, Vati, Mikola, 
So, so because of this, the knowledgeable gurus of the lineage that handed down these personal instructions conveyed a clear understanding of whatever object of meditation they transmitted. In order to do this, they first thought over the meaning of the appropriate passages from both the sutras uh, and the commentaries. So this is the Tanjore, the Indian commentaries in light of their guru's personal instructions. Enriching their presentation with sayings of their former gurus, they comprehensively explained the topic of meditation. They also said that success is more difficult for those who contemplate on their own than the, those who transform their minds in a classroom, uh, where those who know how to explain the teachings uh, do so for those who know how to listen. Um, so here, um, it says, it begins with... Um, the, the, the explanations that have been handed down from the lineage of gurus. And here this is speaking of the, the teachings that have been handed down from Lord Buddha uh, and then to uh, Master Asanga and then to Jay Rinpoche uh, and so forth. So, uh, and we, we find uh, in the uh, Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment the quote that says, understand that there are uh, persons of three capacities, small, middling, and great. I shall write clearly um, uh, describing their characteristics. So here, um, are defining uh, those three types of beings. Uh, so here, um, the uh, teachings that are conveyed or are, are, that have been presented or conveyed or passed down from all of these masters are those teachings that um, uh, are kind of outlined in the beginning of the lamp for the path to enlightenment. Um, and there are various uh, um, instructions uh, if one has, for instance, dullness, then uh, to uplift the mind. If one uh, has uh, excitement, then uh, to, in order to abandon that, to uh, think about topics that uh, um, uh, help one to develop renunciation. 
Um, so here, these are the personal instructions that have been handed down. Uh, and w then we find in Asanga's text the comparison of the mind uh, to gold or silver and, and, and refining it and purifying it of its defilements uh, and comparing that the mind uh, and the use of analytical meditation and stabilizing meditation in order to clear away the negativities or the faults within the mind um, and, and the ways to do so. So we find uh, uh, various uh, um, explanations given uh, within these texts uh, um, and, and, and then passed down uh, from the sutras and the commentaries to, right to the actual teacher's uh, personal instructions. And it says that uh, it's much easier to transform one's mind if there is a teacher there who understands the instruction and can give it to you than if one sits on his or her own and studies and tries to understand the material. The uh, amount of realization that takes place is much uh, larger uh, if one does so in a classroom uh, or in, um, and if there's a scholar present who is able to actually give the appropriate instruction to the disciple. So here it's saying that there's a much more uh, a quality experience. Um, it says, um, they also said that the success is more difficult for those who contemplate on their own than for those who transform their minds in a classroom, where those who know how to explain the teachings do so for those who know how to listen. And so here it's speaking of this proper student. Uh, and then the teacher, uh, um, here it says, um, um, uh, for those who know how to explain the teaching, this is referring to a scholar, because a, a scholar is one who knows how to explain the teaching. Tanmatanda Tusan Tenetubi so now this next uh, statement is similar to uh, the negation made at the beginning, uh, the negation of Hashan's view, the nihilistic view, uh, where there was... Uh, not this relationship between the wisdom arisen from hearing and contemplation and the wisdom arisen from meditation. 
and this idea that this is an all meditation. It says, therefore, it is improper to say, now is the time for meditation, and then solely do a little meditation for the saying. Uh, for the saying, I don't know. <laughs> for Does that read properly? Is it just me? Therefore, it is improper to say, now is the time for meditation, and then solely do a little meditation. Uh, for the saying, a time for study and reflection and a time for practice. Uh, expresses, okay, the misconception that extensive explanation of the teaching is not compatible with the context of practice. So here, this is uh, um, showing that it is all practice, it is all meditation, that the wisdom arisen from hearing and, and contemplation and meditation all categorically fall under practice, all categorically fall uh, under meditation. And there's a wrong view or a misconception uh, that can be created that believes that these two things are mutually exclusive, that these are two separate um, things. Uh, so, um, เวจาชิบะทานจิญาเลตุชิชิบะสิตะนายุสชิบะทานจิปะชะตะบะทานจิอนุสุสุญาเลญาเลเจชิบะสิตะญุญุมะตุยุมะสิตะสิตะสิต
Uh, so in the world, it's very rare to find uh, um, anyone who knows how to bring all these explanations actually into practice. And, and Rinpoche said, maybe one or two people. They're, they're, so it's a very rare occurrence. He says, here they barely exist at all. And then, I don't know how exactly, it would take me a moment that I'd, uh, to translate this next line um, according to how Rinpoche is explaining it. It says, therefore, you should also create uh, another concise presentation of what to sustain in meditation. So, Rinpoche is saying that I, it's almost, Jane Rinpoche is saying, I have created uh, also, because of this, I've created uh, another concise um, explanation of meditation. And Rinpoche is saying he doesn't know if it's referring to the abbreviated stages of the path or the medium lam rim. Uh, what it's referring to exactly. Um, but uh, here the word you is used, I realize, in the English, um, and I just don't know how that is compatible with the explanation. So, uh, the NGK, Selpo Mari. It doesn't really make I said, he said, what does it say in the English? And uh, I don't, it doesn't really make sense. Like, you should create a precise, like, the practitioner, the the Gomjakan the Zuku. Gomjakan gender Zuku. Gomjakan so here where it's speaking of an alternative book uh, that's a, a concise kind of um, uh, condensed explanation uh, is could be referring to the medium uh, stages of the path to enlightenment but also is probably referring to the abbreviated stages of the path to enlightenment, the Laman Sonkapas Lamrim Dudan, because that go very clearly goes through all the stages of the path to enlightenment, beginning with the reliance upon the teacher, and then going for the teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity, the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity, the teachings for beings of great capacity, including the um, uh, um, uh, six per the explanation of the six perfections and uh, uh, calm abiding and special insight and then a little explanation of the tantric path. Uh, so here, uh, this is speaking of a, a, a summary text, uh, referring to another text that summarizes this information uh, as well. So uh, this is the reference here. Uh, and, and then there's an even more condensed explanation of these same exact topics in the foundation of all good qualities, the source of all my good. So we don't know if it's referring to uh, the, the source of all my good, or it's referring to the abbreviated stages of the path, or if it's referring to the medium uh, stages of the path to enlightenment, but it's referring to a different text. For, for certain. We have to see uh, more maybe clearly uh, by referring to maybe Dalai Lama's teaching to see what his uh, he states about this particular line.
So it, but the essence of it is that in another text, there's, there's, it should be another text that's abbreviated, that summarizes this information that one can reference. Whether you understand that all scriptures are uh, personal instructions follows only from whether you know this meditative process. Um, so here, you have to refute any misconceptions that one has in order to um, um, understand that all the scriptures are instructions for practice. Uh, because uh, if one might have misconceptions and not understand that. Even those who have trained for a long time in the classic texts of the sutra and mantra vehicles may, when meditating on the path, interpret texts in which they have trained to support misconceptions such as the ones mentioned above. What need is there to mention those who have not trained in scriptural collections? So it's very similar to the section where we find uh, Atisha's, the greatness of the Atisha's text, uh, the greatness of the, um, the teaching, that it shows that all of the, in the section, uh, um, uh, in that section there's a section that <laughs> says that it allows one to realize that all the uh, teachings are instructions to be practiced. So it's very similar here. Uh, um, what the meaning of, of this is very <coughs> So here it says, if uh, in the case of uh, one who has trained in the great classic texts of Sutra and Mantra, uh, if it's possible for the interpretation to support a misconception. 
then imagine how many misconceptions uh, must arise in those who haven't studied the scriptural collections. So uh, here it's saying if one doesn't study the scriptural collections, imagine how many more um, uh, misconceptions or misinterpretations uh, must arise. Uh, if in those who have studied them, it's very easy for their arisal. Um, so here it's, uh, um, it says, what, you don't even need to talk about, literally is what it says, we don't need to talk about uh, those who haven't trained in the scriptural collections. Therefore, mm. It says, therefore, there is, uh, it says, uh, what need is there to mention those who have not trained in the scriptural collections? Therefore, there is a need to establish this in a more detailed manner. So you have to look at this more extensively in much more detail um, in order to not fall into that previous category of misconception. And it says, nevertheless, fearing verbosity, I have not written more than just this. This concludes the explanation of refuting misconceptions concerning the method of sustaining meditation. So now we're done with the reliance upon the spiritual friend section. Danger. Now we've arrived at the human life of leisure and opportunity. Uh, so uh, in the uh, um, section on relying on a spiritual friend, uh, the refuting misconceptions about meditation section is the very is the most difficult. J. Rinpoche negates a lot of uh, great scholars. The Jipa Garde. Tapa Jipa Garde. Oh, okay. So the fourth, I said, what's that fourth category then? So the fourth category is the path, once you have done this, the path that one should, and the, the stages of the path that one should proceed on. Once one has uh, negated the view of Hashan and the misconceptions about it, laxity and dullness and the uh, idea that um, there is some harm to stabilizing meditation inflicted by uh, um, analytical meditation, then there's what is the actual path the graduate, the stages of the path that one must engage in. Uh, so these are the, the four um, or four categories found contained within this, and this is a quite a difficult section. Uh. So if we're looking at, uh, uh, from a scholastic point of view, we're looking at the, the actual stages in a really specific order, beginning with the reliance upon the spiritual friend, and then uh, going to the, the teaching shared in common with beings of small capacity, then the teaching shared in common with beings of medium capacity, and the teaching for beings of great capacity, uh, and then the uh, um, different types of the mind that aspires to enlightenment, the aspiring bodhicitta and the engaged bodhicitta. Um, so here there's a, a, a progression of specific uh, stages um, that are presented here, and this is what is meant in a teacher's text by understand that there are uh, persons of three capacities, small, middling, and great, and I shall write clearly distinguishing their characteristics. 
so this is what is meant uh, by that section uh, in the Atisha's text, uh, those stages uh, in that order. What is Pichi? Uh, so the, it's probably this. So, uh, so now I'm glad, it's very good, and I'm glad that this section on reliance upon the teacher is over. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard so now we're at the human life of leisure and opportunity. Now uh, um, we're moving on to the teaching shared in common with beings of small capacity, then medium capacity, then great capacity. Uh, uh, and we're going through this slowly. The students of the center have the English to use as a reference that we can look at the, the, the texts in a thorough manner. And if we slowly think about these things, then we'll slowly develop an understanding of them. Thank you very much. Uh, so we'll do the concluding mandala offering and dedication there. And then uh, afterwards, uh, uh, there is a board meeting just for everybody to remember. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this is a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure land. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lord to shine forever. I send forth this mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised is supreme by all the conquerors who traversed three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In the heavenly realms of Tibet, surrounded by chains, snowy mountains, the source of all happiness and health for beings is Tenzin Gyatso, Chen Resigation, life is secure for hundreds of calvaries. I pray for the long life, the precious hands of Wandok, upholding their social and realizational doctrines, the spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, and the exceptional wisdom for his appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Y